This is The Dog Days with Ollie Scott, Junior Eldstar and Ian McKenzie. Hello ah, and welcome to episode 12 of The Dog Days. Uh, today we're joined by Tony Humphreys, sorry, musician Tony Humphreys I should say. Tony, how are you doing man? Not too bad. Thank you very much for having me. No, no worries at all. Wow, brother. look at that. There's a, there's a low, dulcet voice we have opposite us in the room. This where have <laughs> you travelled you... from today? Um, Junior's house. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so it's a cobham. Tony's been yeah. captured by, uh, by Junior and they locked away. me, yeah, yeah. Brought me yeah. here. And fed, fed ginger and turmeric uh, in, yeah. in shots. Yeah, it was an interesting oh, yeah. morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's what you get at the Elsor household. Yeah. yeah. Health. <laughs> so look, Tony, thank you for coming along today. Thanks um, so much for having me. We are, we're really excited to talk to you, I guess, about a couple of things. I mean, I'm not sure if uh, Junior has taken you through what we stand for and what the Dog Days means, but part of our journey as a podcast team and, and, and trio, I should say, has been to meet with people from all variations and walks of life, whether it's uh, you know suicide survivors to yoga teachers to in a few weeks' time we have a very famous musician coming on. Um, the most important thing is that we are covering people in all parts of their journey, and it sounds like you're right at the beginning of your journey. You're heading into becoming, I'm sure, and I hope, a wonderfully famous musician at some point. Um, but you're very open uh, and hopefully. Uh, are open about being open today about your mental health struggles and, and getting to where you have done already today. Um, so we, we're quite keen to, to dive into um, the, the struggles around, uh, I think we spoke about bipolar earlier that you've um, been diagnosed, by, diagnosed with, um, but also day to day what it's like to be trying to you know get something off the ground. I think we can all relate to that as, yeah. a, as a trio. So I guess without further ado, um, would, you, would you mind taking us through where it all began for, for Mr. Tony Humphreys? And um, and yeah, I'll let you go. Awesome. Um, I started writing poetry when I was about nine years old, um, and that was that was just to to deal with life. I don't know. I guess oh. I've always been quite a sensitive young fella, overthinking things, seeing things, growing up um, that kind of confused me. I guess uh, whether that was family issues or you know being at school or whatever it was. So I kind of um, started to put my thoughts and my feelings on paper because I felt like that was the safest place I could do that. Um, and then eventually that kind of turned into just freestyling, trying to, you know, connect words and rhymes and put them together. Um, and then when I was about 14 years old, I met uh, two individuals called Tommy and Stuart and we created a band called Nylon Sky. And from there, we just, we started gigging and started getting out there and I was just, completely in, in love with it you know mm. um nothing like playing live for me it's just yeah. adrenaline pure adrenaline yeah yeah absolutely i think it's just i'm so unbelievably present and mm. there's nothing but connection and mm. there are two things that i really live for mm. being present and connecting with people mm. and expression as well so yeah. being able to have all three of those kind of tied but into this yeah chaotic but yet really smooth process was uh, was just mind-blowing. Still to this day, every time I get on stage, I'm like, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just, it's the most amazing feeling. What, so. what kind of music was Nylon Sky? Sorry, Nylon Sky. Nylon Sky, yeah, was, yeah. A, was a combination of, it was a bit of a blender. It was rap, funk, metal, 
rock. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it was really okay. hard to kind of jazz. Yeah, yeah, no, there was little bits of jazz elements wow, okay. as well. Yeah, no. not too much though. No. If any any Nylon Sky fans are listening, which if you're still out there, then oh god, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the two of you, I just got a text from a 23 year old Jeff's on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> it's quite rogue, but I, that name really rings a bell. I'm not just saying that. Real, really? okay. Yeah. Maybe Ian is your is your biggest fan. You know what? Yes. He's got a t-shirt. He's got a t-shirt. Huge tattoo. Oh my god. <laughs> no, but it, you know, we 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 did all right actually. We did all right, and it, it allowed us to, you know, we we ended up traveling to you know around Europe, and we we toured in America, wow. and you know, we met some cool people and did some some cool things. Um, this, this is the story. This isn't the age of fourteen. You've you've moved on a little bit since. Um, how old are you now, roughly, with Nolan Sky? Oh, God, I'm 27 now. <laughs> um, but when you started Nolan Sky, you were I was 14. Oh, yeah. you were 14. Yeah, yeah. So what you travel? You you went. Um, you traveled. Yeah, we we just started uh, gigging, and I'd say probably about. 17, 18 was after we left school was when we really right. started touring and yeah. then, you know, sort of early 20s, that's when we started hitting overseas, you know, going to places like France and mm. Belgium and Germany and then that, you know, led to us going to America and we played in Brooklyn and, you wow. know, just did some like... Some really How cool does that things. happen? Is it you bringing up bars and saying you want to play or what's that process of going on a tour in your mm. instance? Yeah, well, we, yeah, we... Uh, at first it started, you know, we were playing gigs at you know youth clubs and stuff like that and you you know you meet bands and then you know they know people and then it's oh you know we really like what you do you should come play a show and oh cool come and then you, you sort of build like a network and a little community through that and also you harass people <laughs> you 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 right. find out their email address and and you you harass yeah so you so literally you get like a, a bar or head of events at some sort of bar and you message them and say can we play at your your place is a, a a link to our I don't know what would it have been then because it wouldn't have been Spotify. It was MySpace. It was MySpace. Oh, MySpace. Yeah, good old days. Wow. MySpace. Just really quickly, power. Just I'm just diving into something else here. Does anybody remember Pixo? Yeah, man. Right? Did you, you have Pixo? Pixo? Rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. I had Wio Industries. Oh, I, I was uh, I was a, I was a modern day Dell boy actually. So I uh, oh, <laughs> I used to troll on on Wio Industries. Did you actually? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, mate. My Pixo my Pixo was called Monster Rhythms. Monster Rhythms, man. Don't Pixo no comment. We used to have like top five girls and top five boys, and then people used to we used to have people commenting and scoring. Mate, people would go in on a Monday and be like, Oh my god, have you seen what? B2U said about you, blah, blah, blah. Oh, B2U. Oh, Do you see what Tony for Hot Stuff said? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, sorry. So you, you would use your, your MySpace at the time to then send that to, yeah. I don't know, bar manager and then they get in. And How we went crazy on MySpace as well. We would sit there for hours and we would, you know, add people and talk to people. And, and so it was just, we built up thousands and thousands of, of followers on mm -hmm. MySpace. So that helped, I think, you know, being able to go, look, you know, yeah. You know. In parts of like finding the band, I watched this documentary. It's not a documentary film. Have you seen The Dirt? Yeah, uh, yeah. I've yeah. watched that recently. Oh, like, man. Three, four times actually. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's funny how band members meet each other. Mm. It's like so. Like how did you end up meeting each other? Was it quite? Did it this happen naturally or really crazy? Actually, yeah. it's super cool. You asked that because there was a there was an achievement assembly. I used to go to a school called Howard of Effingham, mm. and. Um, this was Achievement Assembly, so people would come up and do dances or sing or do raps or whatever. And Tommy V, who was the guitar player of the band, he, he was doing a solo guitar performance. And Stuart, who was the drummer, was doing a solo drum performance. And I was doing a solo rap performance. And we'd, we'd never really spoken to each other, ever. <laughs> we were in the same school, we'd never spoken to each other. And it was a sound check. And Stuart was sound checking the drums and Tommy was doing guitar and I was sound checking the mic and we just happened to be three people there on the stage sound checking well, I, the equipment in an isolated band sort yeah, of and, yeah. and I turned around to uh, you know, one of the guys said you know play all together so we can get you know uh, 
I guess the full the full sound. Mm. And I, I turned around and I you know just said, "Do you guys know California Cajun by the Chili Peppers?" Wow. And Tommy went, "Yeah, yeah, I know that." <laughs> and we just started jamming. Wow. And that was literally the f- the first time we ever met. And from there, it was. Yeah. So that's how you met as a band. That's how we met. Wow. Okay. Right. So that, so from the, that that was the birth of Nylon Sky. Yeah. Okay. And then you finish school together. You become close friends. Yeah. Really close, like brothers, basically. Wow. And then you build the MySpace, and you're now. How did? Because I mean, New York and Brooklyn. How did that happen? Yeah. That was actually through um, a girl called Haley Medwell, who uh, she was managing another band that we had gigged with, mm. and um, she took an interest to us and. Kind of just went from there, really. She just started booking tours and, and she'd made some contacts in the US before with her other band and stuff like that. So she just started trying to put it all together and we were super hungry. So, mm. it, you know, any gig that we could play, we, we were going to take it. And that was always our mentality as well, whether there was one person or a hundred. I mean, we got to a lot of gigs mm. and it was just the bar staff there. So we'd <laughs> set up in front of the bar staff yeah. and be like, right, let's <laughs> win over these two bar staff. Yeah. <laughs> and if we won one, we were like, woo! Yeah. <laughs> the older you get, the harder it becomes to be that enthusiastic. Yeah, but, yeah, 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 yeah. So, what are your ambitions at this stage with Nylon Sky? Are you thinking this is going to be? Well, Nylon, we ended up breaking up like two, three years ago, maybe sort of 2014, actually. Right. And things just got, you know, super crazy. Like, everybody was in, I was in a very near the end of the band. Mm. I was in a very, very intense mental space. And I think that since we were 14 we'd, we'd just been hammering at it and hammering at mm. it and we'd get our successes and then we'd, we'd drop super hard you know mm. and we couldn't really find that consistency we were always almost nearly there mm. and I think that after a while that, that really started to, to grate on the guys and and you know people start getting older and they have relationships and they're tired of being broken, sleeping mm. in venues and vans, yeah. and, and well, it's like School of Rock, you know, where Mr. Sneebly was the band member yeah, with yeah. Uh, with Dewey, with Dewey Finn. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and people get like that, you know, and, and it's it's understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually saying to Junior earlier on the ride in, I'm like, I'm one of these people that I just I can't quit. I've yeah. wanted to quit. I've yeah. said I'm going to quit, and then three days later, it's like, let's make a song. <laughs> you know, so, but when that, you know, that really got um yeah really really crazy and we decided to to take a break and we just never managed to to come back together on the same page it's kind of sad really i don't really speak to to tommy or really? Stu or, or nike who was the bassist of of the band he came in a bit later on nike. but yeah like nike. the tick the, yeah the like band. the tick his name is nike, Greek god but, oh, his, okay. but his nickname was nike is he Greek? Um, He's Japanese. Oh, right, okay, fine. Um, Close, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because Nike is the Greek god. I'm going to love my boy. Anybody about this? So that, like, that's pretty... So by, um, I guess, by uh, almost grit and, and um, the stresses of the performance culture, mm. uh, you kind of, you fragmented. Yeah. And by the sounds of it, you grew up and different challenges and stresses from life. I imagine... We've not covered it at all, but there's financial stress here as well. Because yeah, yeah, definitely. how do you tour and bring in money? Wow, I'm not sure if you're asking the right person. Because <laughs> um, that must be hard, but how do you guys? How are you guys living? How are you eating? Well, a lot of the time we weren't. Um, well, it was. It was. We were very lucky to have fans, mm. um, and you know, even if you've got a few of them, if they really mess with what you're doing, mm. then. You're lucky, you know, so we were, we were put up in places, we were fed. And and to be honest, you know, when we were in Germany and other places, we were really taken care of. It was really tough in the in the UK. Right. You know, promoters are just, they basically want you to pay 
to play, you know. But out in Germany, it was I felt like a rock star for the first time. Mm. I got there and people were like, "Here's your food. Here's your place to stay. I heard mm. you smoke. Here's some. Oh, okay, well, lovely. <laughs> Cheers. You yeah. know, yeah. have a bath. There's a bath here. You know, it's all sort of. I showered in a venue once, and I thought I've made it. <laughs> made it. Do you know what I mean? So it was. It, it was a real. Again, it was it was glimpses mm. into how we wanted mm. things to be consistently, but never managed to... And that wasn't enough to for you guys to keep as a, as a band. Because I think even like, with anything, uh, a business, a podcast, like yeah. there are big... You don't see that there are challenges. And I, I read somewhere that people that are successful are the ones that can break through the boredom and break through the kind of monotony of, of yeah. being in a band or being in a podcast. Because there are times where you're not you know, you mentioned being present and having that flood of uh, energy and just feeling fantastic. I imagine there were times where you didn't feel that and you walked off stage and thought, fucking hell, that's flat. Yeah, yeah, and especially when, you know, I'd like to consider myself a, a very, a, sounds a bit kind of, I guess, pretentious when I go to say it, but a real artist mm. in the sense of like, what you see is is what you get. So when I'm on stage, if I'm feeling a certain way, I'm, I'm going to express that and I'm I'm going to show you that. So yeah, there, there were gigs, mm. you know, near the end where, just I was destroying stuff and not in the fun way that I usually destroy stuff you know it was you could see and feel the tension you know within us it was it was a lot and I remember sitting down with the guys and and Stu and Nike were just like we need a hiatus we need a break we Mm -hmm. we need to take time to to remember what it's like to be friends again you know because Mm -hmm. we were constantly working and it was again financial stresses and everything kind of combined and you know we we just we never managed to to get back together. The the break actually separated us even more, and oh, we all okay. went down different ways. And that was when I went, okay, well, I, I still love music, mm. so I need to create. And that was when I started creating with new people and started the the Tony Humphrey solo project. Mm. Not really a solo project because I have a whole team behind me. Mm. I just do stuff like this on my own, I suppose. Right. Mm. You know what I mean? So now, okay, take me through the, the next project. So what's the, what is the Tony Humphrey solo project? Now? So the Tony Humphrey solo project came about from just, I've always been around, I've always been really lucky to be around such creative people, like real genius level creatives. I've just mm. been able to sort of ride off them, really. Um, but yeah, they're, they're really incredible. Um, we got to a point after Nylon Sky, me and my friends, because, you know, my friends are in other bands and they do other things and, we got to a point where we were all just fed up with the industry and we thought, you know what, instead of having to pay for a, a director or a videographer or someone like this or to pay for studio time, or we're going we're gonna to create it all. We're going to mm. get a group of people that can do all of this stuff and we're going to create this collective. And that's what we did. And we had you know, people that were you know, fashion designers, directors, mm. uh, photographers, rappers, singers, mm. screamers. And we were just this, this bunch of crazy people that ended up living in this not so nice house but you know <laughs> we, we made it a bit of a vibe and boom we just started creating and creating and it kind of happened very very organically but it was it was really beautiful actually man you know I'd wake up in the morning and you know you'd hear someone singing and then you'd go downstairs and you'd be someone would be shooting in the garden hmm. something and then someone would be Poor making fox. beats in the other room <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> bloody foxes need to stay out of that garden <laughs> but just like yeah it, it, you know it was really really inspiring and we started to realize like man we can we can rely on each other mm. without 
breaking our balls financially or, you know, vaginas, so, depending on who we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a sexual group that you've formed together. Brilliant. I like the sound. No, I think it's that's... a sex cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to join? <laughs> yeah. So that, I just quickly there, there's a quick learning that you can see. So you've... You've experienced what it feels like to be in a group where you've got this this drive and uh, ambition to be so successful that you almost forget your own relationships. Yeah. And so you've then gone, no, okay, right, the next thing I want to do is to actually connect with people. And the music is a byproduct of our connection. Yeah. So when we all come together and we have synergy and we actually think about our purpose and our enjoyment of the art of music, yeah. we might form as a better synergistic uh, trio, whatever it is, quartet. Yeah, yeah. So... With that, though, there's still individualization that's happened. So you speak about, are these guys involved in the Tony Humphreys project or are they... We're all involved with each other. So if we were the collective right now and Junior was making a record and you come up to me and you go, I need some vocals, uh, okay. I'm there. Ah, and yeah, if yeah. You, you, know, you need to suddenly shoot a music video, we'll call Josh and he'll call his friend Sam. Mm. And you know what I mean? And, and yeah, nice. we, we get it together. So if, if we can't do it and we know somebody that can, mm. we'll talk to that somebody that can. And we just mm. try and keep everything like that and flowing and growing. Mm. And it's, um, yeah, we've met some really, really cool people on the way, actually. Nice. So, so like after, obviously, your first band and you said you've covered a lot of music and stuff, is this when you proper like established yourself as a hip-hop artist? Yeah, I, well, I don't know if I probably yeah. established myself as a hip If you can't artist, see Tony, he does not look like a hip hop artist. <laughs> well, this, this, this was the thing. It was, it was funny because back, back before Nylon Sky, I was in a rap group called EKR, which mm. is Everybody Keeps Real, Everybody Kills Rhymes. And everybody Keeps Real. Everybody Keeps Real, Everybody no, I like Kills that, Rhymes. I like that, yeah. And um, it, was, uh, it was headed by an artist called Astro Blacksmith. And he. Do you uh, know if Ian knows him as well? Do you know Astro? I don't know him personally. I know oh. who that is. So. Yeah. Oh. Right, okay. Yeah. It's, um... Good or bad? <laughs> no, no, yeah. I, I don't know him personally. No, I just because, know uh, Depending on who you ask. Just because, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's no, nothing to say. What? I thought you looked at me, but what was... What was who you, was you know who that is. I don't know who that is. <gasps> I do know, yeah, I know yeah. who that is. We don't know who it is, but is it's it just Wes? Like, Where's his brother? his brother, Nathaniel? We used, Nathaniel. It's part yeah. of the Elysium... Yeah, 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 well, that's what you're saying about youth. Um, youth uh, what's it called? There's a guy with the dreadlocks and had a bus. Ah, uh, yeah, Louis. Oh, that's Louis. Louis. That was Louis. That's Louis. That was Louis. Yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, we yeah. used to freestyle on his bus. Louis was so cool, man. Louis got that bus and he just said, "Look, anybody who's out on the street causing trouble, anybody that needs a creative outlet, mm. come in here and and work." And I just went into this bus. It was like a magical bus, man. Yeah. And he'd taken out the bathroom and turned it into a vocal booth. There was a fucking ball pit upstairs. It was all just a bit like, "Wow, this is crazy." And we would sit there and, and make music. It was like it was amazing. And then obviously Louis's gone on to do What was he doing now? He's yeah, he's Fun for, it's like a vlogger, isn't it? Yeah, like a he did vlogger. the food for Louis thing. And yeah. Yeah. Got in a little bit of trouble for just eating animals. Yeah. Um, and then he turned it into fun for Louis, and wow. now the guy's just getting paid to travel. Wow, you know? that's a dream. Um, so you, sorry, Astro... Yeah, Astro, Astro Blacksmith. Okay. So, and, and he, you know, he took me down to like Raw Material and Brixton and stuff when I was like 14, 15, and now a lot more rappers look the way I look. Yeah, yeah. You know I what, what I mean? mean? Yeah. But I was kind of looking like that. Back in the day, and yeah, that just I go, tough. I go into ciphers and people would just look at me like, "Who the fuck is this?" <laughs> and Astro would always be like, "Just hear him spit, yeah, yeah, <laughs> hear yeah. him spit, hear him spit." And then once I did, it's kind of the tone changed a little bit. Yeah. It's like, "Oh right, fair enough, it was deep. <laughs> oh, it was deep." I always <laughs> yeah, got that. Yeah. Always got that was deep. Yeah, he's a deep guy, deep guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I read somewhere that you grew up listening to like the Doors and like Led Zeppelin. Yeah, and yeah. that's obviously very different to. 
how you do your music or how you rap and stuff. So yeah. did, did you have like an inspiration in hip hop or did you look um, like? I mean, Eminem was someone yeah, who was just, shady. yeah, he's just like, just. We've got Eminem here. <laughs> absolutely incredible. <laughs> I, had to, I was drinking a sip of water then. I should have laughed. I, sh- I didn't dignify that with enough laughter. Ian's still got a bit of blonde on his head. It's going though. It's going. It's going. Nothing on, sir. Mine's gone. Mine's gone. Yeah. Rocking it, man. Looking great. Oh, thank you. No, I think it looks good. Sorry, so right. We, we, we dived into rap, I guess, when you were younger and then went into Nile Sky, which was a cross between all of that. You mentioned, sorry, just I think we haven't really covered it properly, but the towards the end of Nile Sky, you mentioned there was quite an intense mental period. Yeah. What? How do you describe that? What was that? I just started breaking down. Um, and I think that there was, you know, there was other stuff going on as well um, with with other members of the band. Um, I'm not sure if it was as. I mean, everybody goes through their own stuff, um, but I, mine was very obviously out there. I really, really wasn't doing well, um, and I just, I was just at a point in my life where. I just started to break, man. Mm. I just started to break. I couldn't do it anymore. I was I was consistently struggling just to just to try and be okay. And it and I it's very frustrating sometimes I think when you you feel like you climb up a mountain and then you fall all the way down and you got to do it again but this time you got two broken legs. Mm. You know, and you, and you keep you keep trying to cut and then you get to a certain point and you fall again and I think I just I kind of gave up. I kind of gave up in trying um, was it, it to do with like your idea of success and where this band was going to go was it was, that was you... definitely something to do with it for sure because I you know we put everything into it you know we live love and breathe music and I still do you know to this day mm-hmm. but it was I mean it was you know we didn't go to parties when we were younger we didn't we were in our rehearsal room mm-hmm. trying to be the tightest best band we could possibly be and yeah. You know, we lost money, we lost friends, we lost girlfriends, we lost so much, mm. you know. And I think that when we started to to see things kind of... Because we we put out an EP um, and it, it, it did all right sort of locally. Um, mm. And then we did a second EP and that started to get attention from places like Rock Sound and Kerrang! and stuff like that. And Rock oh, Sound sick. magazine actually were really bigging us up. They were really, really hype on us. And they said that, you know, we, we think rap rock is back. And we think that these guys are the guys to bring it back. And I remember seeing that in this magazine and, and being like, Doesn't holy shit, mm. this, is, this is incredible. You know, but pressure we, at the same time. We, uh, absolutely. And we were supporting, you know, bands that, that we really fucked with. And we were like, man, this is super cool. And then we put out our debut album. And our debut album was very different to the two records that we had put out in the sense that I wasn't rapping as much. It was a lot more melodic. It wasn't as heavy. And I don't think that people were ready for that. Mm. But as artists, we'd already done those two. You know, we were very Mm. organic. We didn't want to ever pigeonhole ourselves. So it wasn't like we have to write this kind of music. Mm. If I wanted to scream, if that's what the music was bringing out of me, I'd Mm. do it. If I wanted to rap, I'd rap. If Mm. I wanted to sing a fucking ballad, I'd sing a ballad. Mm. And we put out this album and, and rock sound and everyone just kind of went, oh, that's not what we were expecting. Mm. Right. And it was really, really interesting. Such an interesting lesson yeah. for me to learn how quick 
people turned. Yeah. You know what I mean? It didn't matter those three, four years that we'd put in prior to that or... And all the love you had at that time. That was it. It was just, oh, fucking Nylon Sky have changed. Fuck them. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah, fair. And Rock Sound unfollowed us. Wow. And, and it's not, not to put like people on blast, like whatever, mm. they're a business. I've learned a lot more about that side of things and... It's really not as organic and as visceral as it would seem, you yeah. know? Would you have done anything differently back then? Now, looking back, it, I spoke to uh, Stuart, actually, like a couple months ago about this because we still keep in touch every mm. now and then. He's actually sort of the only member that I kind of really keep in touch with. And again, nothing against the other guys, mm. but just that's kind of how it's ended up being. And he said, he said, man, if we put out that second EP when we put out our debut album... I think things would have been different. Mm. You can see, you can see how people start writing for management, and there's all this talk, like you see in movies, being like, "Oh yeah, I just ended up, you know, giving in and just doing what they wanted me to do." Yeah, and then you know that pressure when an artist has an amazing first album, and then the second one comes out, and it's like, "Oh that was shit." It's not normally because you find they're writing it for the label, for the cash, and it's so interesting hearing about someone the other side of the story where you don't do that and you have been free and you've been really open and be like, no, I just did what I wanted to do. Oh, that resulted in me being turned away. Yeah. So by me being vulnerable, by me sort of standing up and being like, I'm just going to be myself, there's actually an element of rejection there that happens. Yeah. yeah. Would, was that a major contributing factor to the dip in your in your mental health or, or, or was this happening before then, do you think? I mean, I've, I've always struggled. I mean, okay. you know, since I was, you know, nine years, I remember being nine years old and sort of doing a bit of a Jim Morrison and hanging off balconies, do you know what I mean? Wow. I was always sort of an intense nine-year-old. Yeah. I'd sort of ask <laughs> questions that sort of made people go, Jesus, what? Yeah. <laughs> just do you not want to play some football? I do, but... Why do you think people are so sad? Oh, wow. Christ. Okay, yeah, fair, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so I think I've always sort of been a bit like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, I've definitely always struggled in that sense. Um, but I think that music was, was yeah, but... always the escape. Mm. Music was always the safe space. Music was always the, you know, music didn't judge me or, or yell at me or make me feel, you know, vulnerable or, or whatever. All these kind of things that I, I guess can contribute to an individual feeling mm. the way that they end up feeling in life. Um, and I think when that, when that started failing me, that was the scariest thing because I really put all my eggs in that basket. Yeah. There was it's nothing all, yeah, else. It's also what you've turned away because everyone speaks about what they didn't get and what they missed out on with the, with the goal. But in the lead up to getting to that goal, what have you said no to? You know, I imagine there's family pressure. Like, why, why aren't you going to be an architect or a lawyer or something? Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel ex other external pressures away from... I mean, my family have always been very, very supportive. Um, but it, you know... it it gets tougher the older you get, you know, like just not having money, not yeah. being able yes. to do certain things and move certain ways, you know, after a while, people do start to get a little fed up. Mm. <laughs> the lights are on. <laughs> and we're live. Yeah. Um, and yeah, people start to get a little bit, a little bit like, oh, come on. Especially when you're talking mm. like you're going to own the world yeah. because you believe in it, you know? You, you, and and when, you, when you get in front of people and you see their reaction, mm. you know it's real. Mm. Yeah. You know, you do one show and you think, oh, that was cool, second show. And then when you start to, you know, because people would come up to me and say things that blew my mind, you know? Like, I remember this one kid after a show came up to me and he went, hey, man, I just want to thank you for saving my life. Well. And I went, oh, what? And he went, <laughs> well... I was actually going to kill myself three weeks ago. And you just, that wow. open, you know, mm. you're just like, oh, wow, okay. And uh, your song, My Life, came on. And uh, I just didn't do it. 
because I listened to the to the lyrics and I felt like there was a bit of hope. Oh, Jesus, yeah. wow, oh my heart. Oh, yeah. oh God, okay, yeah. We're on to something yeah. then, surely. You yeah. know, if this is connecting with people like that. Mm. I guess that's the beauty of music, isn't it? Music is so powerful. And I know I've sat there sometimes and you know, you know what type of music to put on to make you feel better. The type of music, mm. even when you're sad, yeah. to put on to make you feel sad, even more sad. It's yeah. weird, isn't it? Yeah. Like you want to feel everyone's... Because I, I don't like playing sad music when I'm sad, but actually... You speak to everybody, they're like, no, feel the feelings. Yeah. If you're feeling sad, like, indulge in that indulge because in that, exactly. your body will, I guess, process that feeling. Whereas mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, play happy songs. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have a tendency as humans to do that. Don't we? Oh, mm-hmm. I feel bad. Shit. Shortcut to happiness. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to actually going, I feel bad. Fuck, let me sit in this for a second mm-hmm. and, and realize, yeah. yeah, let it soak in. I guess that when you, I was going to ask, when you're going through these struggles, and I know you mentioned obviously music was your escapism and stuff, but. Is that when you find yourself most creative in the way you write in your lyrics and stuff? Because I know one of my favorite songs I listen to is "Change for Yourself." Oh, thank you. And man. yeah, I know I love it because there's a there's a thing where you, you have that break where it almost sounds like you're talking to yourself. Yeah. And I think as humans, we always have that constant battle of having that battle with your mind. And I think it says it on there. It says like, "I told you before, you'll never change." Yeah. On the thing. Yeah. And like, I fucking love that, that because like, your yeah, mind's always saying that, right? It's like you'll never change, and you're always having this constant battle of your mind. Yeah. And yeah, it's just so I think so. That, does it make you more creative when you go through these hard times? Yeah, I think that. I think it does. It's it's a really interesting question actually because I don't know what I would be like with without you know the mental struggles that I've been yeah. through or kind of consistently go through and I think as well like we were talking about this mm. the other day is just you know humans man we're creatures of habit mm. you know we, we have our moments where we we have our epiphanies and we realize like oh you know this is this is how it should be or this is how I should be or I want to do things this way and then next day life happens in it yes. and you're, you're back you know like I think a perfect example of that was I was um I was at family friend's funeral and I saw some people I hadn't seen in so long and you know in the in the wake of death we were all there going God, we need to see each other more we mm. need to connect while we're here i haven't spoken to them since no yeah you it's know, weird isn't you it just you get you you go back and you do life you know you, because you you're learn. present though but that's another thing if you're if you are someone that is present you when you are you're like this is amazing and then when you're when they're not there it's like no, 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 on to the next present yeah. moment yeah it's bizarre yeah from one now to the next yes yeah, <laughs> yeah. how do you so how do you describe this because I, I i don't really know much about bipolar is a um it's a disorder isn't it it's essentially oh, it's a laugh yeah <laughs> And sad, as well. um, but it, can you can you explain to me what what it is and how also how you discovered that you uh, you had it? Yeah, so there are different different types of bipolar. Um, I was diagnosed when I was seventeen, and I mean for ages I was misdiagnosed. Uh, when I was about fourteen years old, they said I had clinical depression. They put me on Prozac, and Prozac just made me like the Hulk uh, because there's certain meds that you shouldn't mix. You know if. If you're bipolar, Prozac isn't the one. But they didn't know, you know, so well, they thought it was the one and, oh, that was fun. What um, happens? What, like, what, what I just it? turned into the Hulk, man. I was so intense. Were you I weightlifting? Or? So, I wish. <laughs> Look at me. I was, I, was, I was so angry. I was so unbelievably angry, you know. Um, you know, just, I mean, really just, really just full-blown rage, you know. it was, And it was so consistent as well and, and it was... In the, you know, just I would snap. Uh, you know, one minute I could be fine, and the next it was just I was gone. And was there an outweighed happiness? Because I, I just imagine with something like that that you have real high spikes of happiness and then real high spikes. Is it was it everything spiky or is it just anger? Well, there's there's different like so I'm bipolar too. So I think 
like with bipolar one, people can be sort of upbeat and great for about five, six, seven months, and then they can go through four, five, six months of just a complete low. Oh, wow. As opposed okay. to bipolar two is a lot more, hey, everything's good, I'm cool for two minutes, and then mm. the next minute you look at me and I, I, I'm crying or something, right. and it's mm. like, oh, well, that, that changed quickly. Um, so it's, the, the, the gaps are much shorter. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. So, and, and so it was, you know, I was put on different meds and, and trying to figure out, I guess... What was wrong with me? If, yeah. if yeah. you know, if we want to say wrong, um, and I started reading. I've always been a, a big fan of Nirvana, and I started mm. reading Kurt Cobain's uh, autobiography. That's um, where you like the poster, right? Yeah, uh, man. Yeah, Junior's nice. got this great little Kurt signed Kurt Cobain. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I walked in, saw it, and thought, oh, I didn't know you met him, Junior. <laughs> Back in the day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> How old are you? Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, and I, I started, you know reading about him and a lot of stuff that you know I was reading I thought sort of eerily familiar you Mm -hmm. know and um, I started researching into bipolar and looking into things and eventually we found uh, a doctor called uh, Dr. Magisha Brilliant. He spoke like Yoda. I don't know what that was. It just came out. I'm so sorry. Um, but he, he would... you listening, Dr. Bipolar t- you have. He, he, honestly, honestly, that's why He would speak like this. It was, it was, it was amazing. Um, obviously, being diagnosed with a voice like that. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is this a piss take? Or am I just... I'm, I'm mentally ill, so I don't know. So like, I'm having this conversation with you, but I really think maybe I'm in the Priory. Do you know what I mean? Just sort of peeing in a corner and the nurse is like, Tony, take your meds. I just... I don't know anymore. Like it was Yoda. Yeah, I've just said, yeah, maybe... Maybe he just—it was just a lovely woman, and I'm just there going, mm, "Bipolar, you are." No, calm down. Um, oh my god! But okay, so yeah, so so I was—I um, forgot what I was saying. So how, so the, well, how did you feel? I want to go yes. back into the diagnosis, despite it being quite funny, being the voice of Yoda. How was how was that? You know, learning. Was it nice to have a label on something, or was it more harrowing to know that there was something behind it? Really good question, because it was sort of a bit of both. Because like. I finally, it made sense. When it all clicked, it was like, oh, right, yeah, this makes sense now. Right. But then it was almost like more of an excuse to be a cunt because I felt like I'd suddenly verified, like, oh, yeah, (laughs) fucking told you. Yeah. (laughs) Knew there was something up. Finally figured out what that is. Mm. There goes that window. I'm bipolar. You know what I mean? So it was sort of, it was, it wasn't great in that sense. Um, but it was also good to, to finally be able to, to know what meds to take and blah, blah, blah. I'm not on any medication anymore. Right. That was a, I was on a lot of meds for a long period of time. And yeah, this past sort of half a year, a bit more, I've just been oh, amazing. completely off meds because I don't think meds are the answer. I think they can help. Temporarily, for sure, and mm. I think you know it's it's a nice little pit stop. But I mean, I'm like I'm going to therapy after this. Yeah. Oh, I have every Wednesday, I go to Richmond, I go Amazing. see Leo, and I was going to ask therapist. you about that because there is this kind of um, it's not a battle, but I, I was at a mental health first aid course on Monday, and we we're learning about different disorders and things like anxiety and stress. And bipolar came up as one of the hardest to provide medication for because, as you mentioned, it is so volatile. Yeah. And they spoke they spoke a lot about dealing with the issue straight away and okay right let's let's make sure we can regulate the moods as much as possible but then i think the most progression is made they say over the, through therapy do you do, is there any point that you that you feel that you do need the medication back or what's been the route to um to recovery do you think um i think uh, you know finding the right therapist was really really important because i went through a bunch and it was it was difficult but 
In what way? Um, well, some you gotta you gotta connect with these people. And I remember one therapy session. I was uh, I found myself. I was like, mm, so how did that make you feel? To the therapist, and I thought, oh yeah, probably not the right therapist if I'm <laughs> therapizing you. So you know, and then there are other people that just sort of go, oh yeah, take these meds, or I'll chalk it up to this off the bat, and and you sort of feel a bit like. Mm. So what's it about your current one that's that's kind yeah. of working for you? Ah, he is, um, man, he's just a boss. Like he's he's uh, he's seventy something years old, and he's, I think he's really been through it. You know, he was a punk back in the day. He he was a street fighter at some point. He was, you know, he he's he's really kind of he, he was a, in a band. He was a rock and roller for a while. You know, he like he used to um, he met Jimi Hendrix, man. You know wow. what I mean? Like he's he's really kind of been through, um, I guess, down quite some similar paths. Yeah. Um, so I think it was it was easy for for us to relate in that sense. And also, he was the first therapist because a lot of therapy they you know they they like to start from the past which which makes sense you know but I came in and when I met Leo I came in and I said look I've got some issues fundamentally I'm pretty fucked up (laughs) um and I know that like you know dad issues this family bullying in school all of this sort of stuff I was the bully no I wasn't (laughs) um uh and you're just sort of going through all of these things and, and I'm aware that that's there but I really really struggle to like, I need to be okay now in mm. the sense of like I, I, I can't remember the last time that I felt okay in the present and I know I've got stuff that I need to deal with but I just want to be here and now and, mm. and he went great <laughs> let's, let's do that and he started teaching me about just the power of now and being present and meditation and things that I had never ever tapped into and that was such a huge help. You know, we'd do things like walk around and he'd say, look at that tree and look at that tree and he'd say, look at that leaf and I'd look at the leaf and he'd say, what colour is it? And I'd say green and he'd say, all right, now really look, stop and look at that leaf. And I would look at that leaf and I'd go, oh shit, yeah, there's tints of brown and mm. there's a little bit of red there and, and suddenly I was in that moment and it didn't, like I was just, I was just looking at a leaf, Fuck which was something it. that I couldn't do before because I'm always in my head, yes. like always having this consistent battle, you know? I love how you, this is so important to you to have covered this because uh, so many of um, friends and people that you speak to that go to therapy, mm. especially men, I think men are solution orientated. So yeah. when they go to have this therapy and the lady goes, take me through your childhood, and you, I, I already know what that must feel like for the 14th time to be like, uh, and then you, you kind of shortcut to the dad, and you shortcut to the bullying at school, yeah, and exactly, you go through all. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's brilliant that they're focusing much more around coping mechanisms yeah. for now. And just on that, is there anything, when you feel the symptoms returning of negativity or whatever bout that you have with bipolar, is there anything that you can, that you naturally do? Okay, this, I know this pulls you into a better place. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to... Um, I think the more that I grow and evolve, the more aware I become. And, you know, ignorance was bliss. Ignorance was tight back in the day. Mm. But unfortunately, just not ignorant enough to get away with it now. Mm. I'm, just, I'm just a little bit too aware. Um, so stuff that I would, you know, try and do is, for example, oh, you know, I remember one time I was, I was sat in, in my living room with my friends and... I started to feel panicked and overwhelmed and I started to feel like I was about to have a panic attack and 
I just tried to take a step back and ask myself, what is happening in this moment right now? And I looked around and I saw my friend Josh eating some cereal. <laughs> I saw my other friend Tom playing on the PlayStation. I saw my other mate Sarah chilling. She's probably rolling up a doob, the addict. <laughs> and I just sort of looked around and I thought, I'm in a room right now with my friends and actually right now everything is super chill. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah, I guess that's what's happening right now. Mm. So just trying to be aware of the present situation mm. and what's actually happening. What is me and what is actually going on? Trying to separate the difference between my crazy head mm. and my perception of things and the actual reality, which can be very difficult at times, but yeah. it's something that I really, really try and do. Um, I think that's really powerful, mate. Thank you. Because yeah, it it's, it's uh, and I hate to, why this is so important that we're discovering this is we've, we've spoken about, you know, the, the craziness of, of what you've been through um, in terms of success. And then it's people find, when you bash the meditation drum, bash the oh, being yeah. the present drum, people are like, oh, I don't like that. But meditation is what you've just mentioned. Stilling the mind, being in the present is what you've just mentioned. Yeah. It is literally as simple as that. Is, yeah. And to know that it can pull you out of plunging into that depth of anxiety and worry is powerful. Mm. Look at the colour of the leaf. I might give that a go next time. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it's really like little simple things that yeah. you just go, oh, wow, yeah, fair. Or just breathing. Yeah, breathing yeah. is something I've learned about. Oh, mate, you know? yeah, breathing. So, well, you, we've, just, we've discovered the art of breathing. Wim Hof. Don't get these two started on breathing. We won't, we won't bang on about it anymore, but we've, yeah, we've, yeah there's a guy called Wim Hof, um, who's like a Dutch crazy man. He, and actually, I, I would love you to try like, it. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he has this method where it's like you go into really cold temperatures and you use your breathing to overcome the crazy um, primal mind that you have of being like, oh, breathe in. Like, don't like you tense up when you go into cold water. And it's like, it's the power. The power isn't in look how long I can stand in water, it's look how much I can be happy control. with this and be in control and, and you know, able mind. to yeah. Yeah. avoid think, resistance. Yeah, like you said, I think people, because we live in this society now where everything's so fucking 24 7 and we're always on the go, our minds are just constantly ticking I think you know with meditation I think people think we you know you don't have to sit there for fucking 20 minutes in a fucking praying madness position mm. it's literally just take a step back and just be present and breathe and you know and your mind wonders and yeah. it's, it's like that's okay and it's I remember it was Leo who taught me he was like you know focus on your breathing and he said but don't change it don't alter it you don't don't have to mm. you know just be aware that you're breathing you've been doing that naturally mm. for 27 years yeah and then you sort of go, I have. Yeah. <laughs> I have been doing that, yeah. And, you know, you just you start to you know, just focus on different things, you yeah. know. My feet are on the ground right now. I can feel the floor beneath me, you know. I can feel the, the sole of my shoes. And, you know, just little things where you just yeah. try and get out of, out of your head. Cause so so musically, how, how's, have you changed what you want to write about having had therapy and, and learned these kind of coping mechanisms? I... How, how are you writing music at the moment and what are you like looking to write about and looking to communicate through your art? Damn, that's a good question. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a fucking good question. Yeah. Ian does that, he's like the sniper man. He comes out of nowhere with a question. Quiet, yeah. just pow, yeah. oh, right, Jesus. Um, I, think, um, I think I've always just, for me as, like a, as, a, as a musician, an artist, whatever you want to label it as, like, I, um, I just want to be able to... Uh, create stuff that allows you to um, 
be able to put it on regardless of what mood you're in. Sorry, let me think. So it's like I'm trying to, I guess what I'm trying to do is I want people to go, oh, man, I'm feeling sad. Whack on some Tiny Humphreys. Ah, mm. oh, let's have a party. Whack on some Tiny Humphreys. Oh, I feel like killing my wife. <laughs> put on some Tiny Humphreys. <laughs> I feel like killing myself. I might pop on some TH. <laughs> you know what I mean? To sort of just, even if you don't agree with everything, you know, because some songs I, I'd like, I struggle with because I'm so honest and so open. And, I, you know, I, I like, I've been hurt by, you know, exes or something. I go mm. in the studio, I make a fucking savage song. Mm. And I'm like, this is a good song. And I'm like, but this is about someone. Yeah, cool. And like, I think this might hurt them if they hear it. But then I think about my favorite artist. I remember listening to Kim by Eminem for the first mm. time. Oh, yeah. And that song just melted my brain. Yeah. But my God, how many times I've gone to that when I've been angry, you know, when I was first cheated on. Mm. You know, like what he captured in that song in that moment was just... It was so real and so visceral, mm. you know, the bits where he's crying and he said, like, you, you think I'm ugly, don't you? You know, that's why you, you I'm ugly, aren't you? Mm, you know, yeah. you're sort of going through all of it and then he switches, I love you, I, you know, and you're just wow. like, man, you are, you are really capturing just what it, what it feels like mm. to go through these, these stages. And so I think I've, I just, although I'm in, in general, I, I want to be as lovely and as nice yeah. as I possibly can. I don't want to hurt people ever. I hate hurting people. I hate feeling like a mean-spirited person. Mm. But then it's it's hard sometimes because in the music sometimes you hear it and you're like, oh, what a prick, mm, you know. But yeah. I, I sort of think that that's necessary. I want to capture no, all exactly. sides and all angles. I don't just want to be that kind of one-dimensional, this is it. I want to be the guy that can go, hey, you know, it's like, Tupac's a really great example of that. Mm. You know, he'll do a song called Dear Mama and you're like, oh, wow, God, really? yeah. the, the struggle of women. And, yeah, yeah. and then the next song is, fuck these bitches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm all over yeah, their yeah, faces. Yeah. You're true. like, oh, right, okay. That was, but that was his character. Yeah, and cool, I, yeah. you felt like you, you could tap into to yeah. so many different sides of him. And there are so many different sides of you. Yes. So I think as an artist, it's your job Mm. To represent all of those. Do you, do you feel like you do you feel like you need to write based on life circumstances, or can you just like write something that's just objective and has no deep meaning? Have you ever been able to write music like that? Yeah, I I, I usually write from from life and from from personal things. Um, okay. That's carry on. Carry on. So, we're just having Maz knocking on the door, so we're rounding up for the last. Probably got like minutes. ten minutes. Okay, yeah, okay, fair. But um, but yeah, I I think you know sometimes it's 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 fun to just tell us tell a story mm. that isn't something to do with you you can add your own personal elements or whatever but sometimes it is fun to just to just tell a story so I guess like you, look, I would say quite happy to say you're doing it your way right and like you're literally doing it my like, I oh, feel like, like Frank Sinatra oh yeah <laughs> I mean Steph I mean Steph showed me a, a clip on a song where some girl I think you put it in one of your songs where the girl was like something about you and she's like nah I don't like it or something and, and then you're like fuck thing. it I'm doing it my fucking way do you know what I mean no, yeah it. yeah so, nice well, look, I want to just make sure we get the questions that we normally have in um, towards the end of this. I know that you have a couple. Did you have a couple of pictures? You had on? Let, but let's start with our stock question around. Um, I guess now six years away from being twenty-one years old. Um, if you were given the megaphone, uh, and and I guess given a chance to speak to this, can be either to yourself or to a room full of twenty-one-year-old people. Um, but what what would you say to those people if you had a megaphone in a room full of twenty-one-year-olds? I guess it depends on the room. And the people in the room, you know, if I was in a room full of 21-year-olds and they were about to go to a Manchester United game and they were fans of Manchester United, <laughs> I might go, come on, Manchester. But I think it's, 
I, it's a, I guess it's kind of a tough question because I think it, it depends on the people. Mm. You know, everybody's so, so different, mm. especially like nowadays, man. People are just so, so, so much more unique in the sense of identity and so on and so forth. So um, I really, I, I don't know. It would depend on the room. It would depend yeah, let's, on the Let's say, the better question could be then if the room was full of one 21-year-old that was called Tony Humphreys. <laughs> oh. What would you say to that person, do you think? That is a really good question. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer in this time limit. Um, Just to give you some examples, and I'll let you ponder, yeah. we've had... Eat veg. Uh, we've had a really long answer, which is wonderful from Rui, uh, the guy we had last week around being true to yourself. We had, yeah, we have, have plenty of sex, but we've had deep answers, two-worded answers. We've had uh, millions of different things. So don't feel pressured to make this point. You know, it could be anything. Yeah, no, it's just I, it's it's a really good question. It's a job interview question. Yeah, is it? <laughs> Where's it be in five years' time? <laughs> um, alive. Yeah. Um, Man, I don't even know. I really, I don't even, I don't even know. It's and it's also quite tough as well because I don't know what I would say that would ultimately change mm. what, like, where I'm at now. Mm. So I'm, I'm almost not sure if mm. I would say anything. I'll probably be like, oh, "Your skin's a bit shit." I don't know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I just, I, 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 I so you'd abuse. Twenty-one-year-old self. Abuse, I think, would be, <laughs> would be good. Moving on from as a, we're all like of a similar age, and I don't think any of us have made it in what whatever we're trying to whatever making it means. Do you feel like? Do you have patience with your music, and, and are you are you like looking forward to the future and what music can bring to you, or do you still feel like maybe when you did it Night on Sky, like in a rush, like we need to, like when are we going to make it? When are we going to make it? Or how 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 do you feel now about your career with music? Yeah, I feel, um, I think there are those elements of, you know, fuck, I need to make it and I'm getting older and, you know. But I also think that in the same breath, I've, I'm, I'm trying to just be cool regardless. You know, like before with the Nylon Sky thing, it was if I don't make it in music, mm. I may as well kill myself. That was yeah. literally my mentality. Jeez. And I'm trying to get to a point now where it's like, I'm just happy to be here and happy to be alive. And yeah, I, love it. I just want to be content within myself. And I think that that's going to be a better... And then if I make it, then great. Mm. But if I don't, then, you know, I shouldn't think I want to kill myself. No, no. You know what I mean? No, no, no. I think that's the, power, the most powerful thing about musicians or anything really in business and stuff is people always have a timeline on when they should make it. Whereas stick by it, have some resilience, have some faith, and like you said, you know, really believe in yourself and surround yourself with the people that do believe you. Mm. It might happen when you're 28, it might happen when you're fucking 40. Yeah. Well, we've, got, we've got somebody coming on in uh, eight weeks' time, Maxi Jazz from Faithless, yeah. um, who's a brilliant guy, he's 40 years old, but he did, sorry, he's 62 years old, I think now, but he didn't make it until he was 14, exactly. Yeah. And these people like Ricky Gervais as well. Yes. Yeah, he wrote The yeah. Office in his 40s, didn't he? Did he mad, really? It? Wow. Yeah. That's actually mad, I love that. Something I found interesting Love him or hate him, I personally love him and his music, some of his music. Ed Sheeran said that, uh, you know, it was a lot cooler and a lot more fun going sofa to sofa, living like living through the dog days and living through the struggles than it is now just being this kind of like being pampered wherever he goes and obviously he's loaded. But I think he, I think it's something we can all emphasize, like we're all doing different things, but, you know, 
again, I don't know what success is and none of us have actually got it yet. Mm. And it's like, I think being present is important and enjoying these these moments because mm. whatever could happen, they might not, you know, you might you might one day be successful and look back really fondly and yeah, man, I I've sleep on Ollie's sofa in Clapham and yeah, yeah we you've, you've got this big house where you're all trying to like brainstorm and help each other out. I think there's there's no rush and, and I think these moments we should enjoy and we should enjoy them while they're here. And I think once that. you're there, it's nice to, to, you know, like someone like Ricky Gervais who said, you know, all of this time when I wasn't making it, mm. I got to hone in on my craft. I got to know what I was good at mm. and, well... He made it and he stayed. Yeah, He's yeah, been consistent. I don't want to be that dude who, who makes it yes. and then just disappears. I'd rather be the dude that got to, you know, 30 years yeah. old and got to live that life and take whatever from it and then go, I'm here now, not budging. That's Sorry. such huh. a good point. Yeah, You're good saying point. like, you know, honing your craft and we'll wrap up, I just asked in a second, but isn't that so true? Because you can rise to fame. Call me maybe, Carly O. Jefferson. Don't know where she is now. Yeah. Yeah. Someone that, no offence, Carly, isn't actually talented as a songwriter Ooh. or a performance, whatever, but can rise to really quick fame and then, and then be quickly found out because the foundations are made on sand. Exactly. Whereas you're right, you're crafting your art and, and good luck to you, sir. Oh, I love that. Um, look, we, we've Question had the, the Maz knock. Okay, fine. Uh, we, we'll, we'll pose some quick uh, fire questions. Two, two, well, I've actually we have got two questions, actually. Okay. Um, the process you have when you're writing your lyrics and music, is there any certain rituals you have, like any superstitions or, you know, do you have to get... Kill a few right? animals, drink the blood. <laughs> right, um, <laughs> Sacrifice the mm. lamb. Um, Smoke a little joint before the thing. Wouldn't condone yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, sometimes, like... Mm. No, no, is you... it a time thing? No, yeah. no, 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 carry on, carry on. Um, was it... Was it sorry, what was the... the any, like, rituals or any superstitions? Um... Like footballers would put their right shin pad on first and then their left <laughs> yeah, one yeah, kind of sounds like you're mean. constantly writing those. Yeah, yeah, it's mm. it, it is it's a pretty consistent thing. It's just however the the music takes me. Mm. I kind cool. of, sometimes I write, sometimes I freestyle mm. ideas and then go back and nice. sometimes I just throw out melodies and then I'll go back and put words to the melodies to mm. kind of make nice. them fit. So it's 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 kind of different every time mm. if I'm honest. Love it. Last cool. question, Pooch. We want a one minute freestyle. Well, one no. minute, 30 seconds. <laughs> Okay, really quickly, can we hear? Uh, I, I said I wasn't going to put you on the spot. No, can we quickly hear, like, just an example of your freestyling? In uh, <laughs> I'm going to go in 10, 9, 8, 7, it's a, 6, 5, 4, okay. 3, um, 2, 1. Sorry, Tony, go. My name is Tony Humphreys. Hate me or love me. I'm sick enough to cut the cord to your bungee. My brain is like Jumanji. Uh, I don't really know what to say. A renegade. But I feel like I've always been afraid trying to penetrate brains here on the dog days. Whoa. Need to kick back. Hope you can relate to anything that I've said. Sorry I got scatterbrained. I don't even know what I'm saying. What type of aura do you think I'm betraying? I'm playing. Oh, no. Hey! All right. Cheers, cheers, Poor guy. Cheers. Poor guy being put on the rewind, spot. Rewind, rewind. That's actually tough. Oh, let's go. No, 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 no. I'm not doing this. Look, Tony, this has been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for joining uh, us today. Thank you so much for having um, me, I want to say a big thank you. By the way, following you and that sort of stuff, on, I don't know if you're a social media person or not. Yeah. Tony Humphreys Music on Instagram. Brilliant. Facebook, that sort of jazz. Amazing. And then that's also on Spotify as well. The people yeah, can find yeah. You there. Tony Humphreys on Spotify. Yeah. Amazing. We'll do it all in the Not bio. the black DJ. <laughs> <laughs> Not the black <laughs> DJ from New York. In the group chat, or well, one of them was like, sent it, sent it in and was like, is this Tony Humphreys? And I went, yeah, it is. And then Ian went, is it actually? <laughs> <laughs> we had issues with our Spotify oh, thing. Yeah, my I songs just... went on to him and his songs went on to mine. So, and yeah. I like that. I was playing it in the car and his music came on with your face and yeah. it was like real, like, 
electronic music. And I was like, I don't think this is Tony Hawk. So yeah. just for listeners, it's not that guy. It's um, not that guy. I'm, I'm the white guy with long hair. And sunglasses. Yeah, sunglasses. Want to be Jesus, look. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Well, look, thank you so much, man. And uh, we'll look forward to, to playing this out later. Thank Cheers. you. So thank much. you. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us on our socials, at Dog Days Pod. Leave us a comment, let us know what you think, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.